Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. Hurts, anything. First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by the Bleed Podcast Network and sponsored by BetOnline.ag, the best sports betting website around. Remember, use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. They will match your initial deposit up to 50%. Week one's around the corner. It's time to make some money on this NFL season together. BetOnline.ag, promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. Co-host Connor Miles here with my co-host Ed Kras as always. Thank you so much, guys, for the warm reception of us coming back. We've amassed a ton of listens so far. The YouTube page actually got a lot of views, too, as well. We greatly appreciate the warm welcoming back. We enjoy being back talking on the podcast. And uh, I got to say, Ed, there was one thing I wanted to call out before we get into our discussion today, because we're just going to focus on talking about the cornerback, because I think that's like the cornerback the room. I think that's like the major topic of discussion that's been going on as of late. So I want to just focus on that. But I, uh, I read your article Discussing the Jonathan uh, Taylor rumor, I thought it was hilarious. I was like, hey, he's, he's calling it out for what it is. That, that website that made you know, the report has been known for hypothetical trade rumors. So I, I kind of enjoyed that because, hi, Roseman. I don't know if you saw Albert Brewer, what he wrote for Sports Illustrated. He uh, reached out to a bunch of executives. So he said, uh, air quotes, and he asked, like, what was the trade value you'd put on Jonathan Taylor? And one NFC executive said a fifth round pick with conditions of becoming a fourth round pick, and I'm like, that's Howie. Like, that's that's gotta be Howie. <laughs> so when I'm reading these this hypothetical hypothetical trade rumor, and it's like Kenny Gainwell on a second round pick, Jonathan Taylor, and I'm like, yeah, these guys are just making this up. And this is not what Howie Roseman would do. That's not a Howie Roseman trade whatsoever. Like mm. when you have these guys, like you you said on the last episode, AJ Brown's salary is going to kick in. Jalen Hurts' salary is going to kick in. They're paying these cornerbacks top money. They have uh, their edge rushers are paying top money too. They're going to have to think about Hassan Reddick soon as well, giving him money. And down the line, you're going to have to pay these guys on this offensive line too, because Land Dickerson's coming up and he's proven to be one of the best guards the Eagles have had in quite some time too, as well since Brandon Brooks really. So, uh, it's just funny to me to think that High Rose would even consider giving away these picks when a lot of these guys are going to have to be reinforcement soon to build out the rest of this roster. So I thought it was funny you called that out. I just wanted to uh, mention that to you. I thought that was a little nice blurb on your end because it's just the truth, guys. Like If he trades for Jonathan Taylor, it's because he was able to give up at maximum a fourth-round pick. He's not going to trade that much for a running back. He's proven it to you. He has not invested that much in a running back. He's proven it to you. How many times are we going to have to go around this road? They already traded a fourth round pick to get the Andre Swift. I'm not even yeah. sure what they don't even have a fourth round pick next year. Maybe they'll get one in, as a comp pick. You know, they lost a lot of guys in free agency this year. But um, yeah, I, it's I don't know. I, I don't know the guy that did the reporting, but I know that he sometimes doesn't get it right or even close to right. You wonder, you know, how accurate the reporting is. But yeah, it, 
it made sense on one respect because the Colts were in town. So you think, okay, well, he just has to walk across the field and get, get into the other locker room. But you know, the Eagles are pretty set at the running back spot. I think they like what they have. Do they have like a true number one? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Kenny Gainwell can be that guy. I don't know if DeAndre Swift or Rashad Penny or Boston Scott, he can't be that guy. So, but that's okay. You don't need a number one and you can't have a superstar at every position. You know, like you can't bring in a Jonathan Taylor while you have an AJ Brown and a Devontae Smith and a Jalen Hurts and uh, Dallas Goddard. I mean, it, it's not fantasy football. And, you know, they have their financial picture all set for the next three years, I'm sure. And, you know, that would factor into any decision they made if they were bringing somebody like Taylor that's going to command a high salary. So just doesn't make a lot of sense to trade for him. Uh, and I don't think they will. We've always said, and I've always believed that if you have running backs that can perform a certain role in a running back by committee room, it keeps defensive coordinators up at night. You don't know what you're going to get thrown at you. And I think that's what the Eagles prefer, not having teams not know what they can throw at them, especially now that they have a dynamic receiver like Swift out of the backfield too, just adds a new wrinkle to the offense entirely that they didn't have. So I, I, I think they're perfect with what they have too. But I will say, it's not that I doubt that, you know, I'm Harry Roseman always looks at ways to improve the roster. If he thought Jonathan Taylor could be attainable, I would, I, I'm sure he would look into it. But yeah. that you have to understand what the value he puts on running backs. Like Ed said, he already gave up a fourth for Swift. I mean, but that much more than that, he's not going to do. He's given up a fourth for a Jai. It's like it's just the proven. He's not going to do much more than that. But I, I agree with you. I think they're good with what they have. I, I think everybody performs well in a certain role in this running back room. I think it's going to keep defensive coordinators up at night. I'm looking forward to it, but enough about the running back room. We'll discuss that later when the like, roster cutdowns come down in an official and we discuss it on the next episode. I really, really want to get into is this cornerback room because I think the Eagles have really interesting decisions to make. And I, I just say, this is such a good problem to have. Finally. The reason why I think so is again, a lot of these guys are unproven and a lot of these guys weren't drafted. So it's not guaranteed that they're going to work out or they're going to develop and become these guys that replace Darius Slay or replace James Bradbury for the long term. But at least they have the prospects now that raise the conversation for it. You know, instead of going out and you have Asante Samuel and you, you had a, and you had um, Sean Brown and you needed to upgrade and instead of going through the draft to upgrade when you lost Sean Brown and you signed Namdi and you traded for DRC or instead of going out and signing Byron Maxwell for $63 million, when you have a cornerback problem, all, all these problems that, I mean, all these problems that had the corner that they, and then they drafted guys with no veteran presence and expected them to develop. There was always something missing, but now you have these guys in Darius Slay and James Bradbury that we well know aren't going to last forever. We got the harsh nightmare of Darius Slay potentially being gone this offseason due to money issues. Uh, it's, we're going to have in years to come these issues with paying Bradbury and playing Slay. So why not have these guys unheralded in the wings to develop in the long term? You don't have to rush them out right away because they're undrafted free agents. Like you have this formula where it worked with TJ Edwards. It's working with Reed Blankenship. Just try it with corner when you have these such proven guys. Like you have in James Bradbury and Darius Slay to teach these guys for the long term. So regardless of what the Eagles decide to do with this cornerback room, at least they have these guys that they're not going to ask of right away. But even Ringo, he was a fourth-round pick. Like, nobody's expecting a fourth-round pick or undrafted free agents to come in and be starters right away. It just doesn't happen like that. Uh, Reed Blankenship is an anomaly right now for this team. Uh, it's, Bradbury's a free agent signing. Slate was a trade. 
Like this, I really like the formula of what they're doing. Is all I'm saying. I think these guys, you give them the time to wait, develop in the wings. There's some talent there. They're making a roster one way or another, whether it's the Eagles or not. I truly believe they will be picked up on waivers, and they get to watch veterans like James Bradbury and Darius Slay, who've done it year in and year out and made their own careers rather than themselves. Darius Slay was on a first round pick. James Bradbury was on first round pick. So these are the perfect guys to lean on and learn from uh, ball not being asked of to be used right away. So I think this is the perfect situation the Eagles are in. This is a good problem to have, finally. Uh, yeah, I mean, cornerback is a, one of the harder positions, I think, to play in the NFL. It's very tough for a young rookie to come in and make a mark. I mean, we've seen first-round picks struggle to do it. Um, you know, there's a handful of guys that have. You know, Darrell Rivas, Hall of Famer, figured it out right away. You know, you have Sauce Gardner. In New York, who has done a great job stepping in, Patrick Sertan in Denver. Um, but it, it it's hard to do. Uh, it takes time to develop this position. And, yeah, I, I like what the Eagles have done and bringing in their two veterans, uh, you know, and re-signing them to, you know, three-year deals. We'll see if they – if they see the life of those deals, I'm not sure they will. But the point is, is those guys are helping the younger guys uh, – uh, and they're happy to do it. You know, I, I talked to Eli Ricks uh, after the game Thursday night, you know, the, the undrafted free agent corner who, you know, I, I, when I did my 53-man roster, he was my last cut. I had him being cut, and I hope I'm wrong that he makes this team. Uh, but it's tough. It, it's a tough – there's a lot of good talent in that cornerback room. But Rick said, you know, that – one thing he told his agent and his parents was that there's no hate on this team. He goes, Slay and Bradbury and Avante Maddox, he goes, half the time, they, I don't even have to ask them stuff. They just tell me stuff, you know, on how to improve my game. So he goes, there's no animosity. Everybody wants to see everybody else do well. And, and you would think that that would be the case on most teams, but I'm sure it isn't. Um, you know, each player is different. For years, Aaron Rodgers didn't want to tutor you know, an understudy quarterback, uh, but Slay and Bradbury have no problem. And Slay even said, you know, I, I hope to one day hand my job off to somebody that I'm kind of mentoring right now. Uh, so yeah, it makes sense what the Eagles are doing here. And you just hope that these guys are the right guys. I mean, you know, Killy Ringo, he struggled this year. He's very young. He's very raw, but he's going to make the roster. He's a fourth round pick. They traded up in the fourth round to get him, but he needs a red shirt year to me. I mean, he just is not ready for the NFL. He just turned 21. I mean, he's a young guy. So uh, it's going to take a while for that confidence to grow and to learn the pro level pro style technique that you need to play out on that Island in the NFL. Um, but yeah, I like Ringo. I think he's a coachable kid. He wants to play. He wants to be good. Uh, I like Eli Ricks. I like Mario Goodrich. I mean, they have some young, talented guys. Josh Job, he's in his second year. He'll probably step up and be, you know, the top reserve behind Brad, uh, Bradbury and Slay. So, you know, they have done a good job bringing in some young guys to learn from these two veterans. And that's kind of what the Eagles did with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, you know, taking advantage of their, you know, elder statesman like ability to talk to young players you know they have Jalen Carter now Milton Williams uh Jordan Davis you know these guys are learning from from uh Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and then Nolan Smith is learning from Brandon Graham so this is kind of how you stay good and you stay relevant in the NFL 
is by having your veterans teach your young kids and be okay with doing it. I uh, Ringo to me is going to be the Razul Douglas problem that hopefully this team can figure out because they didn't last time. I think there's talent there, but I think it's going to take time, like you're saying. And it, I'm not yeah. a lot of you. It took time for Douglas to figure it out. He wasn't, he didn't just show up on the Packers as what he is. He went through multiple teams. He went through, uh, I believe the Raiders, and he went through the Cardinals. I know he went through, there's probably other stops in Panthers. And then he goes to the Packers, and it's the right coaching and the right time for him. It, that's what it is. I mean, that's it's just a timing thing with players sometimes, especially the cornerback position. So, because no. a lot of people are like, you know, I'm not expecting these undrafted free agents to become stars, and that's fair. It's not – it's unlikely. Just the facts are. That's what it happens. That's the way it looks. But I, I also think that these guys that are undrafted – Josh Job was very heralded at Alabama. Like, he was thought highly of. So it's not like they these Eagles are getting bad undrafted free agent players. They're getting guys with draftable grades at least. So there, there's something there. And I think, you know, not rushing them and letting them sit in the wings, uh, which they're going to do with Ringo too, I, I – I honestly thought the same as you. When you said it last week, you think he's a practice squad caliber player. After watching those recent preseason games against the Colts, I'm like, yeah, I just see what he's saying now. I think some of the guys just look more ready than him, just to be honest with you. That's yeah. the way it looks. But but again, the politics of it, they drafted the guy with the fourth-round pick. They invested in him. They have to – and he's very young. It's going to be – it's going to take a time to coach these kind of guys. But Yeah, and, you know, listen, I mean, maybe he doesn't work out, but – you know, I think, you know, you have some like, you know, Eli Ricks. I think he can play in this league. Mikai Gardner and the guy I didn't mention, you know, he started against the Colts on Thursday night. You know, with the top guys out, your starters were Ringo and uh, Mikai Gardner. It wasn't Eli Ricks. I mean, Ricks came in and played and I thought played well. But, yeah, you have to be patient with these guys. I mean, it's a you have to learn how and they then cornerbacks talk about this all the time is you have to have a short memory. You know, you can't get beat and feel like, okay, and take that with you. And then, you know, for the next five plays, you give up, you know, other plays. So you need to put bad plays behind you quickly. You know, you have to realize that, you know, the other guys are getting paid too, and they're NFL players and they're going against good receivers and they're going to win some battles too. So you have to have a short memory Forget about it and move on to the next. And sometimes young guys take a while to figure that out. Like Eli Rick said to me last night, he said this was a really hard summer for him because he was used to always being the guy who was called upon to be the starter or to be the leader. And he had to come in here and he had to prove his his place. He had to show that he belonged in the NFL. And he said, and it, and it was hard. And he goes, and I through it all, he goes, I became a better person. I learned how to support my teammates. You know, that was never something I had to do, you know, because I was always out on the field playing. But, you know, he has to support his teammates from the sideline and cheer for them and high five them when they come off the field and then sit down and maybe learn something from them. What they just went through out on the field, maybe they can pass some of that along to, to Rick. So, um, yeah, it's it's you can never have too many good corners, developmental corners, especially some are going to work. Some aren't. It's like baseball pitchers. Some are going to hit. Some aren't. But if you have enough of them, your chance of hitting on one increases greatly. This is also going to be interesting because I think I overanalyzed last week when we were talking about or beginning of this week, uh, James Bradbury playing in the slot because I said maybe that's what they want against certain matchups, but we'll see. That's still to be determined. But I really think yeah. I overanalyzed it a little bit because 
it seems like, and this is just for now, again, they might find a nickel backup, nickel corner they like uh, during this waiver process that they determined deserves a roster spot on their roster over the guys that the Eagles fans really want right now and Ricks and Goodrich and all these other guys. But, and Gardner is him, himself too as well. But uh, it looks like right now they actually want Bradbury to be the backup nickel just in case Devontae Max does go down. Or yeah. they might call up uh, Josh Job to be the outside in that situation. I'm not sure. I, you know, I did my 53 man roster and and I kind of wrestled with that question as well. I have the Eagles keeping six cornerbacks, you know, obviously you got your three starters, Ringo, Job, and then my sixth one. And I went back and forth with Ricks and Garner, but I figured Josiah Scott, I have making this team because he is a backup nickel. I mean, he gives, he's backed up before he's been in this town now for two years, played a lot of football and he has versatility as a safety. So that, to me, gives him kind of a leg up. Now, the Eagles could feel differently. They could feel like, hey, let's go with one of our undrafted free agents like a Makai Garner or a Mario Goodrich or an Eli Ricks. But I have them keeping Scott because none of those guys can play the slot. Losing Zach McPherson was a really big loss, obviously, for this team in the secondary. Um so who's going to be the backup slot? I, you know, Bradbury, I guess, could do it, but I'm not sure they want to, you know, make those kinds of moves. And that's if something were to happen to Maddox. Maddox is the guy. They want him to play 99% of the snaps in the slot. He couldn't do it last year, only played nine games. Um, you hope he can answer the bell for all 17 games, and you don't have to worry about it. But, uh, yeah, Bradbury can play it in a pinch, but, you know, Josiah Scott is trained in there. He's been a slot corner most of his career, so – I have them keeping Scott as one of the six cornerbacks. Um, tough decisions. I mean, I tried to figure it out where you could find a way to keep a Ricks or a Garner or a Goodrich, but I just couldn't get there. Um, because And I liked Scott because of his ability to play slot and gives you the versatility at safety. Yeah, it's a very popular pick by Eagles fans, I imagine. Keeping Scott on the roster over guys like Gardner and Ricks right now. Yeah, you know, um, Listen, Ricks, I mean, I like Ricks, good player, good length. I think he'll be, I think he can play in the league. But even in camp, like he he was always third team reps. I mean, during training camp. I mean, he may have taken a, a rep at second team or two. I don't remember it, but he's consistently was running third team. And, you know, that's how the Eagles base their evaluations. I mean, these games are so meaningless, these Eagles preseason games. They do all their evaluations on practice. I mean, how meaningless are these preseason games? The Eagles are one six and two since Nick Sirianni became the head coach in in these preseason games. One six and two—that's awful. But the first year they went to the playoffs, they were a playoff team, nine and eight. Didn't matter what their summer record was. Last year they went to the Super Bowl. It didn't matter that they lost forty-eight to ten to the Miami Dolphins in the final preseason game. This year they're they didn't win a game. Oh, oh two and one. They have enough talent on the roster, but clearly these these the games are are pretty meaningless. The Eagles base their evaluations on practice, and Eli Ricks ran consistently with the third team. Uh, Garner, like I said, he he's been doing well in practice. He might be a guy they they try to keep somehow. Um, you know, keep him. You think? Yeah, I think I think Makai Gardner is the one to keep actually. Yeah, see, I you know when you do the reason was I'm sorry to interrupt, but the reason why is because he started. Against the Colts, I was like that. That said something to me that they wanted to evaluate him out there in the situation just in case. Because when I will say they are meaningless to to the, they are 
He's absolutely right. It's it's what we and that's what sucks because the fans are so unplugged from that. Where we we have to listen to beat writers. But I'm gonna be honest with you, Ed. You you say this about Eli Ricks. There's other beat writers out there that completely disagree with you guys. That they're saying something completely different. So we're basing our opinions off of what the beat writers are feeding us on social media. But yeah. it's the truth is he's running with the third team, regardless of what the beat writers think. It's the truth. That's that's the truth. They'll they'll tell you the same thing if you had the if you had the opportunity to ask them the answer to you. So he's right. That's what they're basing their evaluations off of. These games don't matter. But what matters to me is when they throw them in as starters, I feel like they want to see them in a starting situation just in case they are called upon because of injury. They say, hey, you're going to go out there and throw it as a starter. Now let me see how you get thrown out there. Because it's not like – I I imagine they're not telling these guys right away before those preseason games, hey, you're starting this weekend. Like we're going to start you in this preseason game. I feel like you have to work your way up to that point. And like probably Thursday – because I don't know, I'm just going back to my Pop Warner days. I felt like nobody was a starter because Pop yeah. Warner games were like preseason. And then you get into like Thursday's practices because the game's on Saturday. And they're like, hey, you guys are going to be starting. So the final practice day, you're ready to go. And then, boom, the game time. So I feel like during these preseason games, they're telling them on Thursday, like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and start you. I feel like that's an evaluation just then and there saying, let's see how you get thrown into the situation because you didn't even expect to start. Because that's how the game's going to be if somebody gets hurt and you're our death guy now. So putting Carter out there to me, it was like, oh, he's he might make the team depending on how he fared. I thought he fared pretty well. I mean, the Colts played their starters for half the game. Yeah, I was going to say that. You know, the, the Colts starters were on the field against the Eagles' second and third team guys. So that was a good test for these guys. And I thought Garner played well, and I thought Ricks played well. And that's why there's a lot of talk about Ricks and can he make this roster because uh, he didn't play well against the Browns, but he showed up on Thursday against the Colts, I feel. I mean, those numbers, I mean, Michael Pittman had five targets, only caught two passes. Alec Pierce had three targets, didn't catch any passes. Um, you know, and that's against the second team. Uh, you know, so when you try to find a home, now the Eagles, I, I tried to not overthink it when I did my 53-man roster. Like, Eagles could go a couple different ways. They could they could cut Rick Lovato, the center, because, you know, he's a vested guy. And then bring him back at some point. If you IR somebody like a Britton Covey who has the hamstring injury, although I feel like he's okay. Uh, you know, you talk to him after practice and he, he seems fine. Uh, or, or, you know, someone else like a Oj- Moro Ojomo, the rookie seventh-round defensive tackle. He's got a concussion. so But you, you can't cut him before you put him on your 53-man roster or you lose him for the year. So you want to figure out a way to get them on. So they put them on and maybe they IR them for the concussion for four games. You know, there's ways to be creative. Nick Morrow could be cut the linebacker to free up a spot for like a Ricks or a Garner uh, because he's a vested veteran Morrow and you could probably get him back like Wednesday. The final cuts are Tuesday at four. You could probably get him back on Wednesday or Thursday. So that's, ways they can get creative to try to keep some of these younger guys, you know, but what I'm doing and I try not to overthink it, you know, I have them keeping five safeties, you know, uh, I think Justin Evans has made the team. Uh, but when I'm trying to find room for a Ricks or a corner, there's some of these young cornerbacks like a Mario Goodrich, who I think might, he might have a groin injury too. So, you know, they might be able to get him a little more uh, easily to the practice squad, but you know, I kept five safeties, but when I was thinking about it, I'm thinking, you know, Kayvon Wallace played a lot of snaps on Thursday night. He was playing deep into that game. And my opinion is the more you play in the final preseason game, the worse your chances are of, of making the team. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, maybe they'll cut Wallace, but I, I just, I really don't see him cutting Wallace. I mean, I, 
he helps on special teams and he's, you know, he's in the final year of his contract, but would it surprise me if they cut him and then maybe try to get him back? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, and keeping Evans, um, and maybe they'll just cut Evans. I mean, who knows? He's a former second round pick, uh, and they'll just go with four safeties, but the, but the cornerback position is, that's the genesis of all of this number juggling because they have some young guys that they probably want to keep around. And if you cut them, you risk losing them to another team who might add them to the 53 man roster. I have Evan big in the uh, roster because, you know, it's funny. He can, he play nickel too. He kind of, the, the saints used him the same way they used Chauncey Garner Johnson. He pretty much replaced Chauncey Garner Johnson for the saints last year when they traded away uh, him to the Eagles. So uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting that, I mean, you brought that up because I was going to just ask to end the show, I mean, not to end the show, but real quick, just a quick brief thing. How many safeties you really think that they keep? I know what you said, you had five in your article, but I wanted to see if you really thought about that. And you really just summarized it right there perfectly. Uh, but I do think they do too, because yeah, I really think Terrell Evans is a hybrid linebacker safety role anyway. So you can give it its own position designation, uh, but still you count towards the safeties. But uh, I also think is if you're going to, roll with Sidney Brown and you're going to roll with Reed Blankenship as your starters, the inexperience is going to really hurt at some point. So you want to have some kind of good depth there that has the experience. That's why I think Kayvon makes it. That's why I think Justin Evans makes it. But he can also slide into nickel as well if needed. He can play it. It's not ideal, but he can yeah. play it. He's versatile too as well. So uh, I do think he makes the team. So I thought that was interesting brought that up as well. And I actually think the – I know you brought – I know I wanted to just touch on this real quick. And then I want to ask you one final question in the show. I know you mentioned Aaron Sipos and the way that he holds for Jake Elliott, the comfortability there is probably the may be the reason he makes the team. I don't think so. I think they're done with him. I think the punts are just I, I think it's just been too much. He's been one of the worst statistical punters in the NFL the last couple of years. I just think they're gonna be done with him because there's some really good punters out there that were battling for jobs that are gonna get cut because the other teams are comfortable with what they have at punter already. Or vice versa. They're going to cut their current punter for the guy that, that came in and beat him out during the job. That's still a decent punter in this league. There's going to be too many options. Like Cameron Johnson, they, the Texans just picked up Ty Zettner. If they think Cameron Johnson is going to be out for an extended period of time or or Ty Zettner, you know, really, I mean, he's not really going to be there for a practice. He's really going to be filling in for a game. Well, let's just say he makes such an impression on this game where the Texans think they can move on from Cameron Johnson. There you go. You can get your old punter back. Too. I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah, Ty Zenner did not open any eyes here. I don't know. I, know, why. I don't think he's going he's to. I'm just directly speaking. I'm giving that as yeah. an example. That there's going to be a lot of punters out there that get get cut. I think the Eagles are going to be interested. So I don't. I don't think. Yeah, so maybe. I I just think. Look, Jake Elliott made a 59 yard field goal and a 52 yard field goal yeah. last night with Sipas holding. Like, does he make it with Zentner holding or anybody else? I mean. Elliott missed a 46-yarder when they rang Zentner out there to hold. I mean, you don't want to mess anything up in a kicker's head. Kickers are already this fragile psyche. They're always inside their own head. Now, Elliott's an athlete, but he's probably inside his head just like every other kicker. You know, you don't want to overthink anything when you go out there to try a field goal. You want to be comfortable with the entire operation from snap to hold. You don't want to be worrying about, hey, is, are the laces going to be out? Is the finger going to be where I want it? Whatever. And Sippus provides that. And how often do the Eagles punt anyway? Nick Sirianni goes for it on fourth down whenever in the plus 50 area. I mean, they're going to go for it. They're not going to even punt. I mean, you're going to need your punter occasionally. But listen, I think Sippus is good enough to hang the ball high, 
cover the cup, the cover the punt. You don't have to kick it 50 yards. Just kick it 38, 40 yards with a hang time, the close to five seconds. So they're fair catching and you're stopping the, you know, the from the guy from returning the punt. I, I think that's good enough. I, I do. And I, I don't think you would want to risk, like I said, Elliot becoming a head case because he's concerned about his holder, even though he'll never admit it, you know, but inside his head, he might be concerned about it. So I, I don't know. I, I think that to, to the Eagles is probably more important than a punter who can kick at 50 yards. I would love to have a punter that could boom, boom at 50 yards, but there's something to be said for the holding. It's very overlooked. That's a very good point. It shouldn't be overlooked at all. It really shouldn't be though. That, that, yeah. that, the field goals can can come down to determining games more so than field position when it comes to punting, even though it doesn't impact games, though. So the, the frustrations are to be had for Sipos, but I do understand where that's coming from. That's really yeah, and that, the, the flip side, Connor, is Brett Kern did it last year when Sipos got hurt and he went out and and the operation seemed fine. I'd have to look and see if Elliott made, uh, you know, if he missed any kicks with Brett Kern as the holder. But Kern was in the league for 17 years like yeah. he. He was there, there's a confidence level. If you bring in a guy that's a second or third year guy and you're Elliot, you're like, can can this guy hold? Is he gonna be okay to hold for me? You bring in Kern, it's like this guy's been, you know, he's been kicking and punting and holding since I was, you know, eight years old. So, you know, there's a confidence level there. So you have to be careful when you're looking at punters. You have to evaluate their holding situation. And that to me is the most important thing. I will say real quick before this final question that uh Tanner McKee. Uh, it's definitely proven to be those future quarterback of the future too. Uh, the reason why I say so is because the Eagles needed to draft a guy that could be someone like that. And he's proven that in this preseason with his poise and how calm he is in the pocket. Uh, but they needed somebody like that because that Jalen Hurts contract is going to kick in. And just like when Carson Wentz's contract got big, the Eagles couldn't afford to go after like the Nick Foles type backup quarterback. They had to get Josh McCown at the age of 40. Have Nate Sudfeld be the, and also as a backup quarterback that was on a cheap contract for most of the time. They're going to need that following next year because these Mariota signings, the Snick Bowl signings are done after next year. It's going to be Tanner McKee's show. So I think I have confidence in him being quarterback too next year, but it's going to be Mariota going forward, of course. I know you think so as well. Yeah, uh, definitely. But I just think it's it's awesome to see that Tanner McKee. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's going to be the quarterback too for the future. So it's good to see the guy that be comfortable and calm, look like he. Went to Stanford for sure. Um, Mark Kidd, no question. He came in and picked this playbook up very quickly because he doesn't hold the ball long. Now, sometimes he does. You know, sometimes his guys are covered and he's not very mobile. I mean, he's got good pocket presence, but, you know, he's not going to beat, you know, you or me in a race, I would think. I don't know. Maybe me. Um, But (laughs) uh, he's just (laughs) slow. But he, you know, he, 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 but he, Boy, boy, he's a smart kid, man. To come in here and pick up this playbook and know where he's going with the ball, you see that a lot with him in these three games. But now we can say goodbye to him. We're not, we're not going to see Tanner McKee again the rest of the season unless the sky completely opens up and falls on the Novacare complex down there in South Philly. You know, something would drastically be wrong. And then you're kind of in a bad spot because Tanner McKee is good, but he's not good enough to take this team where it wants to go. Let's face it, he still needs to develop. He still needs time. And, and now we're he's going to do that behind the curtain nobody's going to see it and then we'll see it again next summer when he comes back out and has a second training camp yep, because he'll be battling for the quarterback two spot that uh next summer which is just fine i know everybody's not excited about Mariota. i wouldn't be either if the eagles had to turn to anybody but jalen hurts at some point during the season they're in trouble just like they were with Carter Minshew. yes or they overcame right. it they overcame hey, it that's all that matters Mariota can go out and go all and two like Minshew did too if he has to come in for two games i mean that's what Minshew did last year 
the fact that they have a guy that can run though the same like not the same as Jalen Hurts, but at least somewhat close because Mariota is a good runner. Yeah. You have to get he is a good runner. You're you right. Flowers for that. You can base a game plan around that. Yeah. Again. So I think they have a better chance at Mariota than they did with Minshew, but that's not saying much. So last question for you, Ed, that I wanted to yeah. get you get your opinion on real quick because I think Shoot. it's a little interesting. Nick Sirianni keeps hyping up what Reed Blankenship did to this team. Like, undrafted free agents are going to be the core of this team eventually, or at least the core of this depth eventually. These A.J. Brown contracts are going to kick in. They're going to have to pay Devontae Smith soon. They're going to have to pay Landon Dickerson soon. Jalen uh-huh. Hurts has got the huge deal. They're going to have to develop guys or get guys in the later rounds of the draft or undrafted free agents to be filling out the depth chart for this team in the future. So that's why he's harping up these Reed Blankenships of the world. Uh, so I wanted to see if you thought there was going to be a re-blanketship on this team this year out of the undrafted free agent crowd. Yeah, well, shame on me. I didn't pick any undrafted free agents to make this roster. Um, but it's a good roster. It's hard. It's going to be hard to do. But, you know, I, I think, you know, Eli Ricks could be that guy. Makai Garner can be that guy. Um, you know, Joseph Nada, the free agent from receiver from Clemson, he he needs to learn how to separate uh, Deion Kane was an undrafted kid, I think, last year, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe he's he, been in the league for a while, actually. Yeah, he's been, I, he's been, yeah. So he's not. But you know, the, the Eagles kept three undrafted free agents last year, and I can't, I can't remember who they were. Obviously, Blankenship was one, and Josh Sills was another. Um, Josh Job wasn't he an undrafted free agent last Josh year? Josh Job, yeah. So and yeah, you have to be their backup cornerback this year on the outside. Right. So, I mean, these guys. What I'm saying, these guys are going to when they're paying this amount of money to these high priced guys. Look what the depth's going to be. It's going to be these undrafted free agent guys. Or there's going to be these later round picks. I understand where you're going with with your 53 man roster projection, but I thought terminating Tom Johnson's contract and then securing him to get him on another one. I think they want Seen to be the right guard of the future. They want Cam Jurgens to be the center of the future. I don't think those plans change. I don't think those plans change regardless how Cam Jurgens plays for this team. That swing tackle has been a deep-rooted thing that Jeff Stoutland, it looks like he just hasn't really found yet. And I, it, when Big V was here, it was a staple for this team, especially when it comes to running the ball. And I think they want to go back to that. I really, truly do, especially when the run game coordinator is still the same guy. Uh, I I just thought it was interesting that they terminated his contract, got him secured on a new one. I think he's making the team. Do you, you think he's making the team? Oh, Fred Johnson? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Fred, I, mean, I, I keep yeah, saying Tom yeah. Johnson. I'm no, sorry. I know. Yeah, he for sure. He he's they signed him to a two year contract. He's here. I mean, you know, but he he's been in the league for a while. I mean, you know, he, he this is his fifth year uh, in the league. Fred Johnson um, and Lane Johnson spoke very highly of him that he had a great camp. So, is he going to be the swing tackle? I, you know, I'm not sure he can play both sides. I don't know. I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to Fred Johnson. He's a big guy in the locker room, and he's a fun guy. He loves to have fun. Um, but you know, you also have, um, you know, uh, Tyler Steen, who will probably be your right guard when Jurgen slides to center, whenever the day comes that Kelsey <laughs> retires. Um, so I think it's Cam, Cam Jurgens at center and Tyler Steen, their, their rookie third round pick will be the right guard. And one thing I like about Tyler Steen is he, he's being cross-trained as a tackle and a guard. So that gives him flexibility as well. Uh, the more you can do, the more positions you can play obviously helps. Uh, and, and that's a big feather in his cap. And again, another smart kid went to Vanderbilt. Um, Fred Johnson. Yeah. I mean, it's time to start paying attention to him. I wasn't impressed with the second team O line against the Colts first team defense, uh, Thursday night. They couldn't run the ball at all. Now I know it was Trey Sermon, you know, 16 carries 30 yards, 
see you later. He's not making the team. Um, but you know, the, the, the second team line needed to do better, I thought. And, you know, you had Fred Johnson out there at tackle. You had Josh Andrews at center. You had Julian Good Jones as a guard with Tyler Steen as a guard. And then your right tackle was, Oh, I can't, I can't even, I can't remember. Oh, Dennis Kelly was, was playing second team, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, Johnson figures in their plans for sure. Uh, he's, he's making the team. They don't give him a two-year deal and cut him. So he'll, he'll be, uh, he'll, he'll be somebody to start watching and paying attention to and see if he can play both right and left. Jack Driscoll will, will still be here. He can play some tackle. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody as a tackle. Um, yeah, I mean, well, Steen, Steen looks like he, I, for this year he's going to be the swing guy at least. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah, again, Fred Johnson maybe if he can play both sides, I imagine he can. Um, they must have saw something in him to get him a new contract. Yeah, I mean, he's a like I said, he's a I don't big. Think he was drafted though. I don't think he, I know he's been in the league for a little bit, but I didn't, I didn't think it was five years though. I thought it was like three or four. But yeah, he's six seven two three twenty six is what they list him as. I mean, that's that's pretty yeah, good yeah, size. That's, hey, they because you're right. Steen's gonna be the right guard, and uh, the center's gonna be Jurgen. So you're gonna need the swing tackle. I think it's been a staple that's kind of been missed. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's been a role that, you know, Andre Dillard filled, although he wasn't much of a right tackle. Um, so, yeah, they they like to have their tackles. It's a very important position. Just, you know, obviously you're, you're opening holes and protecting your quarterback, so you better have good tackles. Um, yeah, we'll see. Fred Johnson, I mean, I was surprised as anybody. And, and the Eagles didn't even announce it. Like, usually they'll send out an announcement that, hey, we signed this guy or we cut this guy. They didn't send out anything on Fred Johnson. Unless you were looking at the wire, the, the NFL wire from that day's transactions, you, you nobody would have known. And I think that's the way they wanted it. They wanted to try to keep it as low-key as possible because it was a risk having to expose him to bring him back, uh, and it worked. And they got him. They like him. And, and now we'll start paying more attention to him. Two-year contract, too, another one. Year. So they right, this, this year and next year. So he's going to be here. All right, well, that's going to do it for us, guys. We will be back soon to discuss the rest of the roster cutdowns as they start next week. Thank you again for all the support from Eagles Unfiltered. We will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.